Chris. Hope you're doing well and welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Uh, I appreciate you all joining me here for another episode, especially when there's, there's really so much going on in the world. Uh, this past week has probably been one of the most intense and draining weeks of my life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's emotionally, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. But I really wanted to say thank you to all of you that have sent me messages of support and have shared my work around with others. And thank you to all of you new listeners who, who have come on board and uh, people who have followed me on Instagram. And, you know, I just really appreciate you coming along and joining us on this journey to better understand and handle our finances. And I really do believe that breaking ourselves from the oppression of debt and financial insecurity is one of the best things that we can do to help us continue to fight against the racial injustices that we face here in this country. So uh, that's why I'm excited to continue bringing you information and guests to help you continue your journey, because this week has been so intense. I've decided to give myself a little break, give myself a little more time to think and prepare for what next week's episode will be. So today I wanted to share with you an episode of This Is Awkward that we recorded last week. And if you didn't know, I launched a new podcast earlier this year with my good friend, Allison Baggerly of Inspired Budget. And this show comes out the first and third Wednesday of every month. And in each episode, we help a caller deal with their awkward money situation. But last week, we focused on the fact that we all need to be having these awkward conversations around race and inequality. And this was a difficult topic for me to discuss, and I'm really happy that Allison came to me and encouraged us to have this conversation. She's been a great ally and friend and supporter of uh, black lives and the fight against injustice in this country. And she was right. We need to be having more and more of these conversations because the more we talk about it, the more we realize where we are in this country and the more we can do to make a change and make a difference that will last for, for years and years. So I appreciate you all sticking around, listening to the show, showing your support. This show is going to be longer than a typical popcorn finance episode because it's just the format we've chosen for this other show. But I will go back to the uh, the normal shorter format uh, in the future. But I thought this was a great conversation to share. So I hope you enjoy our most recent episode of This is Awkward. Every day, my dad would take me to school in the morning because he would go to work super early. He would go like, he'd be getting up at like four o'clock in the morning. And so I'd be up a little bit after that. I'm not getting up at four o'clock even as a kid. I'm not, <laughs> not, it's not happening. But <laughs> he would wake me up and every day we would drive to school. And every morning he would talk to me and about everything, about life, about about women, about oh. relationships, <laughs> about jobs, like everything. Stuff I didn't, I did not want to have 99% of the conversations that we were having mm -hmm. in the car, but he, he did it every day while we were listening to whatever radio station he, he wanted to listen to because I had no control over that either. And uh, one of the things that I always remember, this, this is a conversation that we had over and over and over again. And he would say, you, basically, you know, as, as a black man, people are going to treat you differently and mm -hmm. you're going to have to try way harder than anyone else just to be taken seriously and just to get a job and and to make progress he said because you just know that people don't see you the same way people are not going to like you people are going to discount you just because you're black and that's something you got to deal with and so every every day we would get up we would have these conversations and that one i remember coming up more and more frequently especially the older i got and he, yeah. would, he would just say he would make it a point to say 
no matter what you think, no matter, you know, you feel like you're doing a great job, there's going to be people who, who don't like you, don't care for you. And you're going to have to work that much harder to be taken seriously. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Allison. And you're listening to This Is Awkward. And Chris, I know you're not alone in those conversations. And I mean, that sucks. And it's sad that we live in a world where, uh, you know, a, a black father has to have that conversation with his black children. Yeah. And, you know, he grew up in the South. So he grew up in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, My dad is old. He, he's 60. <laughs> how old is wow. my dad now? 66? Right now, he's so he was not born that in, old. <laughs> I like to call him old. He was born in 1954. And mm-hmm. uh, in the South, in the 50s, he yeah. dealt with a lot of stuff and he, he would tell us stories of how um, his grandfather would take them to go get some food. There's like a little, I mean, they grew up in a tiny town, Arkansas. There wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know, big brand name stuff back right. then there. Uh, but they, he, they would go to get some food and they would make them go to the back. Like the, he couldn't, they uh. couldn't walk in the front door. They'd have to go to the back and there's a little window and they'd have to order and pay and pick up the food from back there. They weren't allowed to. Uh, and so, I mean, he's seen stuff that I've never experienced in my life. Right. Uh, I'm very fortunate for that too. That I didn't have to. I haven't had to experience the types of things that he saw mm-hmm. and that his, you know, parents and his grandparents saw. But the, I, I think you just can't forget those type of experiences. No. And even as far as we've come now, and things are better, you know, than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, racism, discrimination still exists, and. You, you you think that's a crazy conversation you have to have in, you know, the 90s and, you know, the early 2000s mm-hmm. with your kids. But as we see, given what's going on right now, I mean, the conversations are still just as relevant. Yeah. yeah. And they're necessary, unfortunately. Um, and I know you might be sitting here thinking, hey, don't you guys normally talk about awkward money conversations? What's going on? But in this special episode, we're going to dive into the more important and still sometimes awkward conversations that we need to be having about racism and and more importantly, how to have those conversations with your friends and your family so that we can really just move forward and make a difference in this world and get out of the place where we are now. Yeah, and and it's tough and it's... I mean, obviously, I'm coming from perspective of a black man, mm-hmm. um, but even for me, these conversations are awkward to have. Yeah, yeah, and 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 as a white woman, it is because you know you no one wants to say the wrong thing, um, but I saw someone write on Instagram like it's better to say something and fail forward than not say anything at all, and everyone is going to say something and it it might come off as wrong and. You might be worried about it, but saying something is better than not saying anything at all. Yeah. And, I, you know, I can say from my experiences, because everyone's experience is different. And the mm-hmm. thing is, I, and I've talked to a lot of different friends um, who are black, and they said that, you know, we, we're we not the representative for every black person that's ever lived <laughs> on earth. You know, we, we are, everyone's, yeah. we're, we're people and everyone's experience is completely different. Mm-hmm. And we've all experience things from a different perspective, different mm-hmm. lens. We've all experienced racism and discrimination to different extents. And mm-hmm. so it's more so of, for me, when I know when I'm hearing these things and these conversations are up and you're seeing what we see in the news with people being killed when they were being nonviolent uh, by the people who you expect to be there to protect you. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not that 
I'm thinking, oh, I need every non-black person, every white person to come up and, you know, go crazy. And, you know, I, I don't know. And come to me and ex- have me explain mm-hmm. everything to them because I don't have all the answers. I mean, if I did, I'm sure we'd be in a much different place now. If I had, hey, here's yeah. a magical answer to fix all of this. Right. Uh, but what is meaningful for me, at least, is when I have friends like Allison and, and mm-hmm. all the other people I have from different backgrounds who mm-hmm. come out in support and they say things and they make commitments to not stand for discrimination when they see it. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like, it's not about being, oh, well, I'm not personally racist. I mean, that's good. I, I hope that, you know, yeah. <laughs> I hope, hope, I'd hope everyone is not racist, but we know that's not mm-hmm. the case. Uh, but though, it's one thing to say, I'm not going to be racist to other people. And it's another thing to say, not only will I not be racist or discriminatory to others, uh, I will also speak up when I see other people yes. committing these injustices against others. Yes. And then also recognizing like as a white woman, I recognize my my white privilege and saying that I see it. It's real. It's not something that people are making up. Just like what black people are going through isn't something that someone's making up. It is real and true. And to stand up and say, I have experienced it and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chris, like my husband and I like love you to death. You're one of our dearest <laughs> friends. And I don't know, it, being able to do something to being able to do something to move forward and be anti-racist and not, not like you say, go up to every single person and talk to them about it, but having tools and resources and things to do to move our, our country forward into a better place is, you know, is my goal ultimately. Yeah. And, and and it's appreciated because the thing is, the hope is that you, Mm -hmm. that every generation gets better and the things, these, the toxic things that are taught to children who become adults and who pass those Mm -hmm. on to their kids at some point that, that stops and we draw the line somewhere and we start to become a society that looks down on these things. Absolutely. And actually, Chris, we had planned to go in the certain order of what we're talking. And I'm going to flip the script a little bit because oh, go for it. Um, what you just said, I think that, you know, as a mom and, and you don't have children yet, if you do one day, I know you'll feel this is too. I think it's so important to start at home because for me, I think that I can't, um, I'm hoping that what I teach my children at home will go into further generations. If I can teach my children at home to stand up for others, to have those tough conversations, to be anti-racist, that I hope that 50 years from now, you know, they've taught their children those same things and their grandchildren those same things. And so it becomes this this snowball effect of, of standing up to this. And one of the things, and you know, I'm I'm have kids that are young still. So I've had conversations with especially my oldest who's eight about racism and everything that's happened. You know, we gave him pieces of it um, and it was tough. And I think that parents have to be willing to have those tough conversations, especially, I mean, especially white parents, because I think it's so easy to think my children won't be the ones that do that. And my children you know, believe that everyone is equal and my children have that. But if you don't talk about that in your home and instill that in the home, when they get into middle school and high school and adults and they're hearing different things 
from other people that are telling them something else, they don't have the knowledge to be able to come back and say that is wrong. They might start believing these things. And I think that teaching your children um, the truth and they can use that as ammunition against uh, racism in the future when they encounter it when they're older is it's the work of the family to make that a conversation at home, even when it's tough. Yeah. And it's being a kid in mm-hmm. in school and, and being black. I, I remember I've had instances where I would be, I remember, I think it was maybe ninth grade. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in uh, an art class and uh, this is Allison. I know it's hard for you to believe, but I, I had hair on the top what? of my head. It, no, it, you didn't. I, I thought did. you came I, out. Well, I was going to say, I thought you came out bald, but you probably did. I <laughs> thought you were bald forever. Came out with beautiful so. locks of hair, Allison. Uh, but I, I had hair and, mm-hmm. and had an afro. I mean, to, like the, um, the exact the extreme opposite of what I have now. What, I had yeah. super long hair, this huge afro. And I remember there were some kids in the class and they were like mm-hmm. white kids and they would want to touch it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'd prefer you not touch my hair. I mean... <laughs> I, mean, I don't I mean, know you why. Let me touch your hair afterwards. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I don't know why this is so fascinating. And then I, I, I remember this vividly. There was a girl, and she was like, um, I think I had like some something must have got stuck in my hair. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, you have something here. Let me get it out. And then she was like, Yeah, I heard that black people don't wash their hair. And it's like then like all the white people turned to look at me like, Is this like, true? Tell oh, us about this. Is it this. dirty? Oh my yeah. gosh. And then then there's like I remember like a guy on the baseball team, and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, they don't wash this. And it's like. It becomes like this. Mm-hmm. I'm on the spot now to defend myself and defend all black people, where and I have no support because I was the only black kid mm-hmm. in the class. And yeah. it's like a lot of these kids, you know, they're hearing stuff from their parents. I mean, in this case, for me, it's very mild. I mean, this is nothing compared to something that's happened to other yeah. people. But it was still such. A, it was. I was so uncomfortable. I was so angry, and I was like, I don't know what to say to these people. Why? Like, why are they? Why are they bothering me? And these kids, you know, they've heard this at home. That's where they're getting it from, mm-hmm. from the, either yeah. from, the, from home or from their friends who've got from it from their, their family. And yes. it, that's why I think it's so important for parents to be the ones to kind of in, instill mm-hmm. these values in their kids and to have them know what's right and what's wrong when it comes to right. these things. Because my, my dad had these conversations with me. He could talk to me all he wants about it, right. but that doesn't help me. It helps me understand the situation, but it doesn't change the situation when I right. get there. Well, and just like, you know, you had to have, your dad had to have tough conversations with you. A white father should have those, you know, similar tough conversations with their son, not the same conversations, but conversations about racism, about what, you know, the right way to treat people about how, um, you know, everyone is equal and, and they need to have the tough conversations of this is our history this is unfortunately how sad it is. This is the history of our nation. And unfortunately, we're not as far along as one would hope yeah. in, in that history. And it's sad to admit that. It's sad. It, it, it's, it's a sad truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. And if you don't start at home with speaking the truth to your children and having those open conversations and saying, if you hear things, you know, I told my son, who's eight, which, you know, he was probably like, what are you even talking about? I said, you might hear (laughs) things at school and you might wonder if it's true and you can always come home and ask us. And if we don't know if it's true or not, we'll figure it out. We'll do the research on it because the only way that 
you can set that up. Like, I mean, I know I said it before is to arm yourself with knowledge, arm your children with knowledge so that when you send them out into this world, they can stand up for what is right and they can stand up for others. And they need to know, you know, it is your job as a person in this world to stand up for others that are not being treated well. And just like, you know, just like we would stand up for you, you need to be willing to stand up for others. And it's sad that we have to have that conversation, but it's the truth. Yeah. And one thing me and my wife always talk about is the thing is right now, the conversation is about black men and black women and the devaluation of, of our lives, Mm -hmm. but we're not the only ones. And Mm -hmm. if it wasn't us, it would be another group of people. Right. I mean, we just had this major issue where people were being detained at the border and placed in cages and mm-hmm. placed in, in unsanitary yep. situations and not given an opportunity to even, you know, plead their case or to have representation, none of this. And right. the thing is, those people are suffering. And right. the thing is, discrimination, it, it's gonna, it, it can hit anyone at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, women are impacted on a daily basis. Yes. And so it's, the thing is, equality for one group means... Really, when when you hear people say, I think one thing I hear a lot is, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. And it's always met with all lives matter or blue lives matter. And the thing Mm -hmm. is, when people say Black Lives Matter, they're not saying Black lives are better than other people's lives. Mm -hmm. Or that that white lives don't matter. Exactly. Or that police don't matter. None of of that's mentioned at all. All, That statement means that right now, Black lives are being devalued and they they Mm -hmm. have no value they have they they don't matter to people if you can kill someone so easily they don't matter to you that you're not seen as an equal they're not seen as another human being and right. so for me when i hear black lives matter all that means is we matter too yes. include us and treat us as if you would treat anyone else yeah and i that's why i i it really bothers me when i hear people say oh you know you know all lives matter it's like yeah all people do matter but when all people yeah. matter equally that means also black people and right now that's not happening right i mean exactly and just as a as a white woman as a white person i think that people tend to want to make it about themselves people tend to turn inward when there is sadness when there is pain but ultimately it's not about us we are not the ones facing it So we have to acknowledge, acknowledge the privilege, acknowledge the white privilege you have, and then turn around and say, my life matters, but you're right. Black lives matter. And we want this to end and make strides. And I'm, it's hard. It's a, it's a tough topic. I saw someone post, I can't remember who it was. I saw someone post on Instagram that, um, Unfortunately, even though we are going to continue to hopefully do this work, we probably won't see lasting change in our lifetime, which is a sad truth to think about. But my hope as an optimist is that if even if there's not lasting change in our lifetime, there will be lasting change, period. Like there will be lasting change. And it starts with it starts with stepping up acknowledging that there's a problem, stop hiding it, you know? And, and I think that it's easier to say like, oh, there's not really a problem. There's not really an issue. Um, that's easier. That's more comfortable, but it's time to stop doing that. Acknowledge that there's a problem and figure out what you can do to educate others, educate yourself, um, 
if you have a family, educate your children to raise them, to be people that will stand up to any discrimination. And then, you know, I, I do believe we'll see lasting change. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I mean, the thing is, things are better now than they were. Things are not great. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, Allison, we couldn't be doing this podcast together. I know. I you know, know. I forgot what year. I was like, what year are we in 2020? It's like, it's getting, yeah, 60 years ago, 1960s. This mm-hmm. wouldn't have been something that, it was. this would have been frowned on by a lot, a lot of people. <laughs> Chris and I would be like, we just want to be friends, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it, it's, it makes me feel good to see the progress we've made mm-hmm. and that there can be friendships. I mean, I have friends of all different backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, all different ethnicities, all different, um, you know, socioeconomic statuses, all those things. And the fact that we can do that now shows how much things have changed. But then at the same time, you're yes. so saddened by the fact that so much of that still remains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's still a lot of progress to be made. Yes. There has recognized. Yeah. There has been progress. There's been wonderful progress. However, um, there's still great progress to be made. And, you know, when I was talking to my son about what happened and, and we were just talking about racism, we explained these people grew up in a family and that's what they were taught. They were taught to believe this. They surrounded themselves with people to believe this. And so now, therefore, they act on this. And it, you know, it goes back generations and generations. And that's why it is so important now more than ever to help people open their eyes and correct these misconceptions and these lies. And that's hard and that's awkward. And you're going to have to have these uncomfortable conversations with your family, um, especially if you grow up and if you grew up in a family that doesn't believe or did not believe that black lives matter. That's tough. You have to be willing to have those conversations to make those uncomfortable moments happen. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, someone who I just saw today, um, uh, Berna, because she goes by Hey Berna oh, on hey Instagram. Berna. Uh, she's doing some really cool stuff on Instagram right now. And mm-hmm. um, so she's a, a huge voice in the, uh, the, Filipino community. So she does a lot of speaking mm-hmm. at events um, for for the people who are first-generation Americans or they're just uh, mm-hmm. the children of immigrants. And so one of the things she said was um, was having ways to have these difficult conversations with your family because uh, discrimination exists, you know, across all backgrounds. There's all right. there's people from, it's not just, I'm not saying only white people that right. uh, discriminate against others. It exists in all different areas. And so she was, uh, as a way to show support, she was like, these are conversations or these are ways that I've tried to speak to my family about ways to support mm-hmm. um, injustices against uh, black people in America. And she showed like examples of text messages she sent and mm-hmm. how she was an example of, oh, I've donated to this cause or this organization yes. that's, that's helping uh, to encourage and support and validate uh, black lives. And this is where I, and send them a link and say, this is what's going on, you know, and it's right. kind of a way to kind of break the ice and say, not, hey, you're all racist. She's not like sending messages to people like that, but she's like, no. hey, this exists. We've all seen what's going on in the news. This is something I did personally because mm-hmm. I feel strongly about this. And I think that's going to be a great way to kind of approach the, the conversation. Yeah, it's a great way to start the conversation. I saw her stories as well. And then actually one of her followers did that. I don't know if you saw that. One of her followers did it and um, said, 
as my birthday gift, because her birthday is like in a week, I would like for you to, instead of getting me a gift, donate to this organization. And her mm. parents or grandparents did. Um, and she was shocked, shocked, because she was like, my parents or my grandparents are racist. Like, but they did. They <laughs> donated. Um, which is, you know, it's a really great way to open up the conversation. And one of the things that I'm doing personally is really trying to get in some different books, read, 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 listen to podcasts. I actually have an audiobook that I'm listening to right now. And we'll we'll go ahead and get into that here in a little bit, sharing some things you can do. Um, follow different people on Instagram, but equip yourself with knowledge. Because when you go into these tough conversations and you can equip yourself with knowledge and truth, it allows you to not react or respond as emotionally, but respond with facts and also with love. And when you can do that and people are not, they won't have their guard up as much. And that's when they are open to change. That is when their eyes are opened and they say, Hey, you know, this thing that I was taught for the past 30 or 40 or 50 years, like maybe it's not right. And that's whenever you can start, um, having those conversations with those family members that might be stuck in this backwards, this backwards idea of, of racism and because it's what they've grown up with. Yeah. I mean, and the truth is some people aren't going to change. That's true too. So, no matter how much you mm-hmm. you want people to be different, um, they're just going to, they're going to believe what they believe mm-hmm. and they're going to stick to it and, and be who they are. And yeah. it's sad. You, you'd hope that reason could help someone feel differently, but I think time has shown that that's not the case for a lot yeah. of people. Um, but I think what you're saying by making an effort to have those conversations, maybe that person doesn't change. They, they're going to still be mm-hmm. racist and discriminate and hate just because they want to hate. But the thing is, your kids may see you have these conversations. Yes. Your friends may be around. We have these conversations. And it, the thing is, you're exposing different people to mm-hmm. a different way of, of seeing things. And yes. we're in the past. Maybe someone says something crazy and you just brush it off. Like, oh, whatever. Right. You know, they're just, they're, that's the crazy aunt or uncle who always says mm-hmm. racist stuff, whatever. That's who they are. And then, but the thing is, people are listening. Kids are listening. Yep. They're around. People are exposed to these things. And then you don't know, maybe they hold on to that. Or maybe they, they start thinking about that a little bit more, seeking out more information yeah. about these thoughts. But if they see you actively mm-hmm. combat these things, you're just more of an example. And you're setting an environment where this type of talk, mm-hmm. these types of opinions and attitudes aren't acceptable. So basically we need to start exposing ourselves, our children, our family, our friends to anti-racism conversations. Yeah. And I no agree. longer being silent, no longer brushing it under the rug, no longer giving excuses to that crazy uncle. I don't know, Sam or, oh gosh, that was weird. I hope you don't have Uncle Sam. <laughs> crazy, <you're> just- <laughs> crazy, crazy. I don't, I don't have an Uncle Sam, but you know, like, opening up those types of conversations instead. And I know we wanted to definitely get into this because so often people say like, okay, great. Like, that's right. I, I don't believe this is the way things should be, but how do I, how do I, how am I supposed to change? How am I supposed to actually make the needle move in this? What exactly am I supposed to do? I'm just one person. Well, thankfully Chris and I have (laughs) 
<laughs> rounded up some some ways because like Chris said earlier, he did say, um, I don't know the solution. If I did, it would be fixed. And you're right. We don't all know the solution. However, we can take steps that might help us lead to a solution, a better solution. The steps you take that, you know, might help your children come up with a solution in the future. We just, we just don't know. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with um, one of the things that people can do to help, help fight for this. Yeah. And, you know, in place of our what I'm loving segment, we're ah, having, yes. what this can is you what do to I'm make loving. a meaningful impact? Yeah. Well, yes. I am loving these things too. So I'm, I'm loving these <laughs> things too. There we go. So uh, number one, one of the um, things that I'm on my list, and I want to give a shout out to some people who have been doing some great work, kind of like spreading this information around. Mm-hmm. So um, Julian and Kirsten with Rich and Regular, they're always a great mm-hmm. resource. Um, and we'll, advocating for. Oh, we'll go for link it. to go. all. I was going to say we'll link to these people in our show notes. So down below, yes. you can go follow them. Yes, and then please, if you if there's anyone I'm not mentioning that you you've come across, you go feel free to jump in too. So uh, Julian and Kirsten with Rich and Regular, um, Jamila Soufran, Journey to Launch, uh, Rich Jones from Paychecks and Balances. Um, um, who else? I, I just, wait, oh, there's more people. I'm going to look them up right now, just so I can give them credit for being great resources. Do you have any, Allison? Oh yes, I do. Um, Tiffany Aliche, the Budget Nista, yes. um, Nicole Walters. That's what I was thinking of. Patrice Washington. Yes. Um, and a lot of these individuals, one, they're exhausted because this is very taxing to have to deal with and see in the news and see the reaction of the president who uh, basically just says flat out racist things and condones a lot of the actions. Um, but they still are making their voices heard and they're still making mm-hmm. resources available to people to allow them to find ways to join in and show their support. Uh, so some of the, one of the things I saw, number one was to help donate, help by donating and donating to some causes that are out mm-hmm. there. Um, so one of the, I, I picked three that I found that, um, that I think would be really good things to put your dollars towards and vote toward, vote your dollars towards these items to help cause okay. change and support those organizations looking for change. Uh, so one is the bell project. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to read the description here. It's a uh, national revolving bail fund provides free bail assistance to low income individuals who are legally presumed innocent and whom a judge has mm-hmm. deemed eligible for release pr- before trial contingent on paying bail. And so they uh, they make sure that clients are able to return home to their families and communities while awaiting court dates. And uh, this why I thought this one was important was um, a lot of times what you see, there is a, a higher percentage of African-Americans who are mm-hmm. arrested and jailed for very minor offenses that other individuals mm-hmm. could just be let off with a warning with. And on right. top of being arrested, they're facing bail that they can't pay, especially if you're coming from a, a low income family who can't, who couldn't possibly afford to come up with the money that it takes. And, right. Or you end up with um, having to go to a bail bondsman and they charge mm-hmm. sometimes crazy oh fees yes. to do this. And so their, their, their role is with uh, the bail project is to help these individuals out to give them, if they, because I mean, they've been presumed innocent already, and right, the worst thing you do is sit and rot in jail while you're waiting, and who knows how long you're going to sit there before you actually get a trial. Um, right. So, especially with a lot of people being arrested for protesting, mm-hmm. um, the injustices that are going on. I thought that'd be a great one. Ahmad Arbery, he was killed mm-hmm. back in February, and this is one yes. of, I mean. For this year, this is one of the earliest ones that really got a lot of um, attention in the media. Yes, uh, this was one that really affected me. Um, mm-hmm. I saw the video, and mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where it's like that could have been me. 
I, I, I do not live in an area where there are a lot of other um, black people here. I'm, Mm -hmm. I don't know that many other people on my street in my area. And I was like, I mean, I live in Southern California. So the likelihood of something like that is a little bit less than out in Georgia, but but still, uh, I was like, they could easily have been me. It could easily have been my cousins who live in Arkansas. It could have easily mm-hmm. been one of my family from the, from the East Coast. And so I know right now they still have a GoFundMe that's available to help um, his family out with the, the funeral costs, mm-hmm. um, to help with the litigation and keep pursuing justice uh, for the yes. individuals who, who did kill him. Yes. And um, the last one, these are tough even going through, but the last one here, uh, it's called Fair Fight. For them, their whole thing is they promote fair elections in Georgia and around the country, and they encourage voter participation in elections and educate voters about elections and their voting rights. And this is a big deal, especially this is an election year mm-hmm. where there there's a big issue with open and fair voting sites, especially for people in underserved communities, which a lot of times impacts African-Americans at a large number. Right. And there's a big issue with people being turned away from voting sites or there being intimidation practices that keep people mm-hmm. from coming to vote. Yeah. Um, we know right now there's a big push to affect um, the ability of people to mail in their ballots, which is big for individuals who have to work and can't get time off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause voting is in the middle of the week. Um, right. So this is a, a big one here. I think it's one of my favorite ones because it is helping to keep people educated on what their options are and to help keep uh, voting sites fair and open. That's awesome. That's, Thank you. That's my list. Sorry, I ran through a bunch of no, them. No, I love it. I, I love it. That's great. So the other thing is to educate yourself. You know, we talked about arming yourself with knowledge. Um, some books, one of the books that I'm actually listening to on Audible right now is I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown, which you should also follow her on Instagram. Um, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. I've been listening to it all day. Um, I'm sure I'll finish it tomorrow. It's great. And then one of the books that's on my list to read, but thankfully I see this as a good sign. It is completely sold out on Amazon. So I'm going to have to go to like a local bookstore and there's like 50 holds on it at my library. So I like to see that as a good sign. I was frustrated (laughs) because I couldn't get it easily, but I'm like, you know what? No, this is good. And it is, um, how to be anti-racist. So those are the two books that I'm personally going to be starting with, but there is a, an Instagram post by good, good, good co. And we'll find a way to link this specific post. And basically this place, or, or you know what, I'll link the Google doc. They have a Google doc that is filled, Mm. filled with books to read, children's books to read, um, you know, just organizations to donate to just great articles to read. If you want to educate yourself, it's a wonderful place to go. Even shows to watch on Netflix, you know, those hard shows that might make you uncomfortable, but are important. So I've been starting to read. I actually just placed an Amazon order today uh, for some children's books because we are starting, you know, I, I need my kids to see, to see and appreciate culture that is not our own. And that is, um, a wonderful way to do that is through having different types of literature inside of your home. And, you know, my, my teacher heart, I taught for 10 years. Um, I enjoy having different types of literature in my home. And so we, we did order some children's books as well. Um, but ultimately, you know, educate yourself, donate to those causes, 
and start at home. If you're saying, I, I don't have any money, I can't donate, I can't buy all these things, start in your four walls. Um, have those tough conversations with your partner, with your spouse, with your parents, with your kids. It's tough. It is. It's not easy. It's not easy for any person, no matter your race. It's not easy to have those conversations, but they are necessary because I know that as a white woman, it was easier for me to have this conversation with my son than it would be for a black mom. But that's not going to keep me from having those conversations. It's not going to keep me from opening the eyes of my children, you know, at, at the correct time, we didn't have this type of conversation. You know, our conversation with our eight-year-old looks a lot different than it does with our five-year-old, but I'm not going to let the fear of saying something wrong keep me silent anymore. Um, because I think that that is an, an excuse that people use. And I think it's an excuse that we need to let go of. Because ultimately, you, you know, you are, when you have these conversations, you're likely going to say something wrong. And you know what happens when you say something wrong? You learn what you did wrong and you don't say it again. And you apologize if you offended someone and you move forward and you learn from that lesson. And it gives you the opportunity to continue practicing these conversations um, and this change so that this is not what hopefully our children grow up in. This is not what our children face when they are 30 years old or 40 years old or 50 years old. We have to do this now so that it's not what our future is. That was very well said. Thank you. Very well said. And I mean, I really don't even want to say anything after that. That was great. But the last thing I'll add in here is one. the last thing I would say you can do is to, to, to vote and make your voice mm -hmm. be heard. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of issues that are built into our system and the way it exists. Mm -hmm. The judges we have, the city council, the mayors that are in place, our representatives, all these things have impacts in the way society is run and the rules that are put in place and the way it is governed. And so making your voice heard through voting is one of the best things you can do to make significant mm -hmm. changes in your community and not say, well, you know, this is a local election. Who cares? I don't know who any of these people are anyways. It's like, no, take a couple of hours, which I, even me, I'm guilty of this. I, yeah. we all work. It's mm -hmm. you get home from a long day. I want to watch some Netflix. I don't want to go <laughs> online and research political candidates. I do not want to do that, but I'm, I'm going to make that. I'm making a promise to myself to make yeah. that more of a priority because they may seem like little things, but mm -hmm all these little decisions add up and shape our country and what it looks Absolutely. like. Absolutely. I completely agree. 100% Chris. Oh, so we've, we've made it to the end of another yes. episode, a, a heavier episode, but it feels yeah. like an important one. It does. And thank you for listening. I know that this episode might've been a little awkward for you. And we asked that, you know, after this, maybe you start having these tough tough and sometimes awkward conversations with your friends, with your family, because ultimately we hope that they will lead to a lasting impact on this world where every race and every culture is celebrated and respected and loved. 
very well said, Allison. Very well said. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't have anyone call in today, but if you have any responses to our episode, have any questions, mm-hmm. want to share any of your stories uh, of, of things you've dealt with, or if you just have an awkward money situation you want to <laughs> have us talk about, because we will be going back to that as well. Don't, we haven't abandoned mm-hmm. uh, the original episode, but we felt this was just very important. Uh, mm-hmm. You can give us a call at 707 200 8259. Or I always forget, you can reach out to us on Instagram at yes. This Is Awkward Podcast. And then Allison, today I wanted, instead of in place of bloopers for today, although I love I love bloopers, they make me feel good. <laughs> we didn't really make that many mistakes on this episode, so we don't have any bloopers. Um, I wanted to read this. This is like an excerpt from uh, the LA Times, and it was written okay. by, I don't know who you, if you know who Kareem Abdul Jabbar is. Yes. NBA player, most yes. points in NBA history. He is uh, well known for being for, for speaking out. Uh, but there's this quote that okay. I thought was really powerful, really interesting okay. that, he, that he wrote in this piece. And he said, um, yes, protests often are used as an excuse for some to take advantage. Just as when fans celebrating hometown sports team championship burn cars and destroy storefronts. I don't want to see stores looted or even buildings burned. But African-Americans have been living in a burning building for many years choking on the smoke as the flames burn closer and closer. Racism in America is like dust in the air. It seems invisible, even if you're choking on it, until you let the sun in. Then you see it's everywhere. As long as we keep shining the light, we have a chance of cleaning it wherever it lands. But we have to stay vigilant because it's always still in the air. <laughs> 